This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, and this is The Full Story. Just a few days out from Election Day, more than 30 retired judges are calling for a federal anti-corruption body and say it's urgently needed. This issue has come up time and time again during the campaign, amongst independent candidates, amongst voters. Have you got strong opinions about politics? I want to see a federal ICAC. It's appalling to have a federal government that's not accountable for its actions and there's nobody like ICAC overseeing it. And at the leaders' debates. Mr Morrison, have you seen any corruption on your side of politics in your time? And if so, what did you do about it? No, I haven't. Never? No wrongdoing? No. Never happened in the Liberal Party at all? I haven't seen that, no. Is that why you don't really feel there's a need for an independent commissioner against corruption federally? I do believe there's a need for uh, an integrity commission. And I have thought 347... Mr Albanese, you've spent your life, have you seen corruption in your time? And what did you do about it? Yeah, quite clearly, the independent commission against corruption here in New South Wales has found corrupt conduct. That's a good thing. Both major parties say they have a plan to create a federal anti-corruption commission if they win government. So what would this body look like under a Labor versus a coalition government? And why is it needed? Today, the future of a federal integrity commission. It's Thursday, the 19th of May. Sarah, why is a federal anti-corruption commission such a big topic in this campaign? Yeah, look, it has been a very dominant issue in this campaign, um, and I think it has been so for a number of reasons. Sarah Martin is Chief Political Correspondent at Guardian Australia. Um, perhaps firstly, the fact that it was an election commitment before the last election, and obviously that hasn't been delivered in this uh, last term of government. Um, and at the same time, there's been a string of incidents that have been reported on over the past few years that have sparked calls for such a body, public spending um, scandals around money for car parks, sports grants, etc. cetera. Uh, and that's mm. obviously led to conversations about pork barrelling uh, and whether we need uh, more accountability from politicians in Canberra, particularly for those decisions. Mm. Um, and we know, of course, there's very strong public support for a federal anti-corruption commission. We have them at the state level um, and we know that federally um, about 67% of people are in favour of having a federal anti-corruption commission. Mm. Australia has also fallen steadily in, in in, uh, global uh, corruption rating. So um, I think it's fair to say that public trust in the government has fallen. And um, we've seen that reflected in the opinion polls, that there's a, a general feeling of distrust about Canberra and, and little faith in both the major parties. And so I think that is why that integrity and corruption are playing a big part during this election campaign. So, Sarah, let's step through what each party has put on the table when it comes to this. We know that after much lobbying from integrity experts and some within Parliament, Morrison did promise to establish a federal anti-corruption commission at some point in the last term of Parliament, and he failed to deliver on that promise. And you haven't delivered on a promise about trust, about integrity. So well, how can Australians I, I trust you when you it's a broken promise, isn't it? No, it's not. But you promised you would establish one... Why is that, Sarah? What happened? 
So what happened is the then Attorney General, Christian Porter, released a draft exposure draft for a Federal Integrity Commission. Um, This was released for public comment uh, back in November 2020, and that was called the Commonwealth Integrity Commission, the CIC. Um, It was sort of broadly criticised by experts in the field for um, its its lack of teeth. Um, It was widely panned for the narrow definition of corruption, the high bar it had for starting investigations. Um, the fact that its proposed model wouldn't conduct public hearings and it also wouldn't um, uh, release public reports into alleged corruption and also members of the public weren't able to refer issues of concern. So um, it basically led to the charge that the proposed Commonwealth Integrity Commission wouldn't actually deal with most allegations of potential corruption and, you know, perhaps it would be better to not have the proposed model at all. Mm. Is there evidence to back this up, that the coalition's model wouldn't really improve integrity in federal politics? Earlier in 2021, there was actually a Guardian investigation that looked at 40 different integrity controversies over recent years. It looked at things like sports rorts and car parks and pork barrelling, plus plenty of other controversies and found that there'd been very little consequence. And in all but two of these controversies, um, they wouldn't have met the threshold that the Commonwealth Integrity Commission required to begin an investigation. So most of them would go uninvestigated. Right. So the coalition's Commonwealth integrity model was widely panned. What happened from there? Uh, we then had a change in Attorney General. The new Attorney General, Kalia Cash, sort of picked up the ball and started up another round of consultations. Um, then after a revised bill was taken to Cabinet, it was very swiftly dumped because there were divisions in, in, in the Cabinet and it was never, the legislation was never even introduced into Parliament to be debated or amended. So, you know, it basically got to the point where it was sort of put in the too hard basket and the Prime Minister and other senior members of Cabinet decided it was easier to stick with their um, sort of toothless tiger model and then blame Labor for um, its lack of progress. You promised you would establish one in the last term. You have not. That's a broken promise. We put forward our proposal in detailed legislation and it has not been supported by the Labor Party. I need bipartisan support to put that in place. I'm not going to introduce a, a, a kangaroo court. Right, Scott Morrison has spoken a lot about how Labor is actually to blame for this not being passed through Parliament because they don't support the Coalition's model. Can you tell me a bit about what he said and whether that's a legitimate reason for not having pushed forward with a federal body. Yeah, so Scott Morrison basically said that, um, you know, they had their draft legislation, Labor wouldn't support it, uh, so therefore the government wouldn't even bother to introduce it. Uh, so why, did, why, didn't, why wasn't it delivered? Why was the promise broken? Well, the government delivered? has released two exposure drafts. We're trying to get... That wasn't the promise, that wasn't not to release an exposure draft, but to deliver on it. Well, so why not? You had Liberal MP Andrew Bragg when he was questioned on ABC's Q&A in April blaming the Labor Party. We have tried to get a bipartisan accommodation on establishing an important institution. That hasn't been possible. And uh, the Labor Party wouldn't agree, so we'll now have to try and go it alone in the next term if we return to government. But, <laughs> but, but, but the point is... The response was met with laughter and Labor MP Chris Bowen, who was also appearing on the panel. The problem here is, Stan, the Liberal Party's lied about an ICAC. That's the problem. Said the model proposed by the Coalition was a joke. Experts have said you'd be better off doing nothing. But to this whole farce of an argument that somehow they couldn't introduce legislation because the Labor Party wouldn't sign on to it, that's a very interesting development. 
So apparently now the government's not going to introduce any legislation unless we agree first. This is great news. <laughs> this is wonderful news. Because it means now, normally with legislation that the government is keen on, they would introduce it to Parliament to, to test that support. Um, and mm. of course, you know, the government should control the numbers in the lower house. And obviously we know the government's sort of been in a, a effective minority after the defection of Craig Kelly to the crossbench. Um, so either it doubted it had the numbers itself to pass it through the House of Representatives because of those divisions on its own side, um, or it just decided that, you know, even in its current form, they didn't want to attempt to um, debate it in Parliament because perhaps Labor would have proposed amendments that it didn't like and that people on its side would like. Um, and then, of course, there would have been an almighty fight in the Senate as well to try and get it passed in its current form. So there was obviously very little chance of um, the bill passing, but that doesn't normally stop the government introducing legislation. Mm. Is this an excuse, the fact that Labor wouldn't support it, this type of narrative being put forward? Oh, absolutely, it's an excuse, and it's a really lame excuse. Right, so it didn't get anywhere, really, during the last parliament. But what about the next parliament? If the coalition was to form government, would they try again? Well, look, as far as we know, um, when Morrison has been asked about this on the campaign trail, he's basically said that nothing will change, that this remains the government's position, that they have uh, legislation that is there for anyone to look at and um, and unless Labor supports it, then that's that. Mm. So, I mean, he was sort of asked if he, you know, if he, could he promise that he'd put his proposal to a vote in the next parliament in the event the coalition won the election, and he declined to make that promise. And just remind me on the first part of the question. Integrity Commission, yeah. are you committing to it? Yeah. Well, you ask me about priorities, and I'll, I'll talk about what my priorities are. Jobs, 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 and jobs. That's what my priority is. That's... Uh, I'm, I haven't, I haven't finished my right, so is he kind of walking away from passing a federal ICAC legislation altogether here, Sarah? Well, he's certainly been critical of any model that goes further than the, um, you know, the bill that they have put forward, which most people say doesn't go far enough. So it's a bit of a stalemate, really. Mm. So that's the coalition. What about Labor? What have they put forward? So We'll have legislation this year oh, if we're you? elected. Where is it? Okay. We will you have, have it this years. year if we're elected. You've been hiding in the bushes. Uh, Labor has promised to legislate a, a National Anti-Corruption Commission by the end of the year if they are elected. Mm. We have got, got a plan, plan. And I'll tell you what no, the plan is. No. It's a plan that you don't like no. because what you want... It's only two pages. The cabinet it looks has a bit to like decide. that. There's nothing on it. The cabinet has Obviously, to they have outlined their, the broad parameters of this commission and have outlined the design principles that would underpin its model. But it has to be said that there isn't legislation yet. So Labor too has some issues still to work through. They still have to work through the fine detail of this. And, it, and you know, these things are, are can be quite complicated. But I guess some of the important differences are Labor has said that its model will have the power to hold public hearings where the commission determines it is in the public interest to do so. And it will have a fairly broad jurisdiction to investigate ministers and public servants and as well as other um, statutory office holders, um, you know, ministerial staff, parliamentarian staff, etc. So um, they've sort of said it will be powerful and it will be broad um, and it will have the ability, it will also be retrospective. So, you know, they've said it will be a lot stronger than the, the proposed model put forward by the coalition. We do need to clean up politics and we need a, a national anti-corruption commission and one with teeth. It needs to be independent of politics. That's the whole point 
of an independent... What is the significance of public hearings? I mean, I can imagine the public learns a lot more about corruption, about conduct of public officials. Is that the idea behind the, the public hearings there? Yeah, look, I guess the argument for public hearings is is also that, you know, if people believe that there is a prospect of a public hearing, that that also acts as a disincentive to corrupt behaviour. Mm. So just the very the very fact that they exist is going to act as a deterrent um, to poor behaviour, to corrupt behaviour um, across the public service. Mm. So this is a very different model than the one put forward by the LNP. Clearly, they're not supportive of this model. What have they said and what type of reactions has this model gotten? Yeah, so obviously uh, Scott Morrison has pushed back pretty hard against the, the kind of model that Labor is proposing. What I'm concerned about is the circus that Labor would want to put in place with an integrity commission. Um, he said that he understands why people may want such a, a body at a federal level, but he has suggested that um, a poorly designed commission could cause a lot of damage um, and he, he has said that he's trying to prevent a massive mistake. He's also said that um, a new commission should focus on criminality rather than a- accusations of pork barrelling mm. and has defended the way that elected members are able to allocate funding for infrastructure and community grants. And, you know, he's made some very strong comments. He said that handing control over to, to faceless officials could turn Australia into some kind of public autocracy. And obviously we know he's uh, made a lot of very uh, critical comments about the New South Wales model. I've lived with that in New South Wales. I've seen the lives destroyed by a commission such as that which becomes a kangaroo court. Suggesting that people are treated guilty until proven innocent. And goes around and seems to operate uh, through politics and, and, uh, and shaming people, the proper process that should go to those important issues being properly considered. I've seen the damage that that causes. Are these criticisms of the New South Wales ICAC model fair, especially calling it something like a, a kangaroo court? Well, for starters, it's it's not even a court um, <laughs> and, you know, c- clearly no. And even some within his own party disagree um, with the Prime Minister on this characterisation. We saw, you know, Josh Frydenberg distancing himself from those remarks. And, you know, the Liberal Premier of New South Wales, Dominic Perrottet, has said that um, Morrison absolutely went too far in describing the state's anti-corruption watchdog as a kangaroo court. When we do have opinions and we do raise concerns, we need to do so in a way that doesn't undermine confidence in our integrity agencies. No saying it did very important work and you know, it's important not to undermine it. Um, I mean, it's pretty clear if you take a look at what the New South Wales ICAC is actually doing. Um, I mean, for example, their most recent annual report shows that um, they had three public inquiries. They conducted over 85 uh, examinations. They'd received sort of almost 3,000 matters um, to look into. They found 32 serious corrupt conduct findings um, made against seven people and recommended nine people be prosecuted. So I think that's pretty clear that the work that they do is important. Next, what can we do about pork barrelling? So, Sarah, that's the major party's proposals for a federal anti-corruption body. But I just want to talk a little bit about something that Morrison said, that any 
body should just focus on criminal matters and shouldn't be looking at things like pork barrelling, which is, you know, pouring money into marginal or important seats. What do you think about that statement from Morrison? Well, I mean, the thing is, we have police to look at criminal behaviour. I mean, this is mm. this is to look at things that aren't necessarily criminal behaviour. And one of the, the criticisms of the model put forward by the coalition is that the threshold is very high. It is to look at things that, um, you know, would constitute um, criminal behaviour, whereas, you know, most people agree that the, the general definition of corruption is at a much lower bar than that. And you're looking at um, corrupt behaviour that is basically using the benefit of um, public resources sources for private personal gain. Right. And we've seen so much pork barreling over the past couple of years. You've been covering it for The Guardian. It seems like nonstop. <laughs> I mean, how common is this? in the last term of, of government and in previous governments? Oh, look, myself and, and other journalists have been covering various port barrelling scandals over the past few years, and it's clear that more scrutiny and transparency is needed here. So, of course, there was the sports rot scandal when the Auditor-General found that in 2019 the coalition has, had used a sporting scheme to award $100 million in grants uh, that was not assessed on their merits um, in order to favour targeted uh, seats ahead of the 2019 election. Um, and of course, Bridget McKenzie uh, ended up stepping down from cabinet. Um, she's back in there now. Um, and then, of course, there was the commuter car park fund, uh, similarly a $660 million uh, fund that was used overwhelmingly to fund sites in coalition-held electorates prior to the last election. So, I um, mean, both of those cases, the Auditor General, you know, criticised how um, these projects were selected and um, made the point that they were not being selected on a merit-based process. Mm. Of of course, we're not saying or suggesting that those uh, decisions were necessarily the result of corrupt conduct. Um, but the problem is this is a really grey area and without a sort of process or a commission to look into it, it leaves open the, the question um, about whether or not these decisions were appropriately made um, or whether or not there was corruption involved. Right. That was last election. We saw a lot of money going into marginal electorates. Has anything changed? Has it continued to happen this election as well? Broadly speaking, the answer for both parties is yes. Mm. I mean, it, it's it's continuing um, unabated, it would seem. I mean, some analysis that um, we did for The Guardian with Nick Evershed, um, you know, we looked at the top 10 sort of target uh, seats for the coalition. Um, there's been almost $3 billion um, committed to those seats in the lead up to the election. That's going back to the beginning of January to, to basically this week. Mm. Um, so it's just an extraordinary amount of money. And in some seats, we're talking like $500 million for one electorate. So like in Bass, there's in Northern Tasmania, there's just incredible amount of funding commitments for everything from sporting clubs to roads to, I mean, the Prime Minister was there this week announcing a, an upgrade to a um, bowling green. Now that seat's held on a 0.4% margin um, and they're obviously desperate to hang on to it. So, um, you know, Gilmore, another example, $430 million spent in Gilmore alone, which is held by Labor on a 2.6% margin, but which the government is hoping to flip. And there's um, bridges, there's, you know, playground upgrades, there's, you know, from the projects in the thousands of dollars to the projects in the hundreds of millions of dollars, mm. like basically no project is left unfunded. You sort of start to wonder whether there's anything left to fund in some of these seats <laughs> because they're just so, you know, they're so porky. Um, and then, of course, Labor, despite being very critical of these types of schemes, 
over the past few years in particular, it is also crisscrossing the country, um, making election promises in marginal seats for things like sporting groups. Um, you know, they've they've promised uh, money for a wall mural in, in the marginal seat of Pierce in WA. They've um, funded, you know, playground upgrades in Boothby, a seat in South Australia that they're, they're desperate to win. So, you know, no, no side um, is, you know, really covers itself in glory with this sort of thing. I mean, to be fair, Labor has pledged about a billion dollars for its top 10 marginals compared to the three billion the coalition has pledged. But the coalition's funding also includes a bunch of uh, sort of government infrastructure projects. So they've sort of got more more kitty to play with, um, with the advantage of incumbency. Right. So the government's pledged three times more money, but we're still talking billions for both major parties. Have either the Prime Minister or the opposition you know, answered any questions, hard questions about this type of spending during the campaign? Yeah, look, both um, Albanese and Scott Morrison have been asked about this type of spending. The Prime Minister's in Cairns this evening. Prime Minister, thank you very much for your time. Happy, Lee. Happy to. You know, the Prime Minister was particularly grilled about it on 7.30 on Monday by um, Lee Sales. You've spoken about things that you would do differently. What would you have done differently, for example, when it came to the way your government used community sports grants as a, as a slush fund to channel money to marginal seats? Well, I completely reject that, Lee. Over well, that the was the finding of, of the campaign. Australian National Audit Office. Morrison sort of issued this very strident uh, rejection of the allegation um, and said that... No, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Every place I've gone where we've continued to provide support for local clubs, these clubs matter in these communities. You know, basically, that's what MPs should be doing. Politicians, members of parliament, are part of their local community. They know what their community needs. We go to an election, we are very clear about what we plan to do and the commitments we make, and then we follow through and we implement them. Albanese has been asked about this as well, and he was particularly asked, given he's been talking up the need to spend money on productive infrastructure. On Monday, when Albanese was campaigning in WA, um, he was asked about how, you know, commitments to BMX parks, dog parks, um, painting murals on walls, etc., how they could boost productivity. And, you know, Albanese in response said that... Commitments that are about improving the quality of life for people uh, are also... Uh, things that happen during election campaigns. If, if you don't think the arts community are, are worthy of any support, that's not a view that, that, that I hold. Our priority investments during this campaign. Would this type of spending be something that would be looked at by a federal ICAC or should be looked at by a federal ICAC in the future? Well, it's a very good question. Um, now, Albanese has previously made some public remarks on this and has said, you know, we put the government on notice that we will be looking at things like sports rorts. Mm. Now, the question in my mind is, well, how does Labor's proposed integrity commission model look at pork barrelling that the coalition has done, but not look at pork barrelling that Labor has done? Mm. So I don't think we have an answer to that yet. And until we get the fine print of the proposed integrity commission um, and how those retrospective provisions are going to work, I don't think that's clear as to whether or not these types of decisions are going to be covered by a federal ICAC. Um, it's a really, it's a tricky one because, you know, I think it's fair to say that if Labor forms government, they are also going to want to continue to be able to make commitments to marginal mm. seats. So, Sarah, if the next Parliament of Australia fails to create a Federal Integrity Commission, 
which we know is possible even with the Labor government because they would still need the support. What is that risk if this body is just never created? If this ends up being shelved or if um, the next government of whichever stripes can't get this through the parliament, then, you know, we've got a real problem with public trust in this country. We've, we've seen the explosion in support for um, minor parties and independents because there's a huge loss of faith in the major parties. And there is this feeling, rightly or wrongly, in the community that um, there's a, a stench over Canberra and that, um, you know, it needs to be cleaned up. There's sort of a drain the swamp element here. And so I think in order for um, politicians and everyone who works in Canberra and all the, you know, most of the MPs who are here um, for the right reasons and wanting to do the right thing, I think it's really important that to try and address that declining faith in, um, you know, possibly the most important institution in the country, um, that they can put their heads together and come up with a solution for this because it's only going to be um, their own positions and the the standing of um, the nation's parliament that suffers as a result. That was Sarah Martin, Chief Political Correspondent at Guardian Australia. You can read all her reporting on pork barrelling at theguardian.com, including the Porkometer, which has been tracking all funding announcements from the Coalition, Labor and candidates in real time throughout the campaign. You can also search on the Porkometer to see how much your electorate is getting so far. We put a link to that, plus a bunch of The Guardian's latest reporting on the proposals for a federal anti-corruption commission on the full story page. This episode was produced by Joe Koning, sound design and mixing by Camilla Hannon. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Martignoni, Gabrielle Jackson and me, Laura Murphy-Oates. Over the next few days, you should keep an eye out for the regular newsroom edition of Full Story and our special election coverage over the weekend. The Guardian's audio and politics team will be working together to bring you the latest news and analysis as the votes roll in. Okay, catch you then.